Tanner House in the house. Hello, my name is Jake Graves. Good to be here. This is the Regular Pastor Podcast, podcast devoted to regular pastors of regular churches. My name is Landon Coleman. I'm a regular pastor here at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Odessa, Texas. And today, the Regular Pastor Podcast is delighted and elated to welcome Mr. New Mexico, <laughs> the Green Chili Special, Tanner House. <laughs> is in the house today. Wow. Tanner, welcome to the Regular Pastor Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Tanner is the planting pastor, uh, founding pastor, senior pastor, grand poobah pastor of Redeemer Church in Odessa, Texas, soon to be the second best church in Odessa, Texas. <laughs> today oh, is man. a... What'd you just say? I said, oh, man. Oh, man. You know, oh, man, it's right. Hey, today's a monumental day on the podcast. This is the first podcast where we have a live studio audience. It is a live studio audience of one. We have the great Mild Salsa Jake Graves in-house today. He is here mostly to make faces at Tanner while he talks and heckle him occasionally. So, Jake, we're glad that you're here. We're hoping that your presence in the room as our studio audience will at least double our listening total, <laughs> and maybe we can get your mom to tune into this episode as well as the ones that you actually appear on. So Jake is in the background. He's smiling. He's waving. He's picking his fingernails. We're glad he's here. Uh, as always, on the Regular Pastor Podcast, we like to uh, dream about having a sponsor. We don't have a sponsor. But we'd like to dream about having a sponsor. We ate lunch at Torchy's today. The tacos were really good. Very darn good. Yeah. Darn good tacos. We could uh, we could throw Torchy's out there as the dream sponsor for the episode. Uh, originally, before we went and ate at Torchy's, I assumed you might want to throw out a cigar shop or a tattoo shop as our <laughs> dream sponsor for this episode. So... Give us the best of each in Odessa, Texas. Uh, I'm going to just punt on the tattoos in general. Don't get tattoos here ever um, <laughs> unless you want hepatitis or some other oh, terrible disease. That ain't right. Yeah, it's true, though. It's funny because it's true. Uh, the only cigar shop that I would recommend would be the Hemingway. Okay. Yeah. There you so. go. Do they know your name? They should. Yeah. I'm in there a lot. There you go. We were talking about the old TV show Cheers at we lunch. Yep. Are you like the norm at the Hemingway? Like you have your own seat. They say your name when you walk in. Depends on who's working. Okay. Yeah, it depends on who's working. All right. Very good. Uh, I do want to say thanks to Tanner for coming on. We had a good lunch. Uh, ate tacos. Always hard to beat tacos. Mm. And Tanner is going to visit with us and enlighten us on the world of church planting. In particular, what we're going to talk about is church planting in the Bible Belt. 
Um, and I have some questions and some thoughts about that, and, and I'm eager to hear what Tanner has to say and share on that topic. Tanner, take a minute before we jump in and actually talk about church planning in the Bible Belt. Um, give us an introduction. Tell both of our listeners where you're from, <laughs> uh, your family, your ministry, history, overview. Just throw something at us. Help us to know who you are. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I am Tanner House. I'm from the Texas part of New Mexico. Um, <laughs> what hop. does that mean? Yeah, well, it's the southeast corner, the conservative, mostly Republican voting part of New Mexico, and actually the only Republican voting part of New Mexico is where I'm from. Uh, Hobbs, New Hashtag Mexico. GOP. Yeah, yeah. Um, what'd you call me? The green chili special? Yeah. I do love green chilies. There you go. Along with my friend, Mr. Mild Salsa, we should start <laughs> a punk band, the green chili special and the mild salsa band. That'd be, that'd be legit. Who would open and who would be the headliner? Um, well, Jake's the one with any talent uh, out of the band. I'm just, I'm just the face. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. They'd the, be dying to hear Jake after they listen to you. Correct. There you go. Correct. I'd introduce us. I'd play the three chords on the guitar I know, and then I'd <laughs> hand it over to Jake to take us home. Awesome. I like it. Yeah. So I've been in Odessa for eight and a half years, which is significantly longer than I thought I would be here and initially even wanted to be and here. And you came here initially how slash why? So I got a job offer at a church here in town to be the high school and college minister when I was wrapping up my MDiv at, at Southwestern there in Fort Worth. Uh, we have four kids, all via foster care and adoption. So we have just retired from, from foster care. Shameless plug, if you want any information on foster care, reach out to Mr. Green Chili Special himself um, via this podcast channel, however you're streaming it. I'd love to get you connected to foster care and orphan care in Texas. Huge need. Huge need. Huge in, need in our area. I know I know it's a huge need in any area, yeah. but uh, definitely a big need. Yeah, and with COVID, man, like the domestic violence rates are just rising going through the roof kids needing places to go yeah it's just really tragic yeah just one of those unintended consequences of lockdowns shutdowns sure. school shutdowns all that kind of stuff okay so you've been in odessa how many years did you say nine uh, close to nine close enough we'll call it nine okay um the last four i've been doing a two-year church planning residency so i've taken a couple Whoa. victory laps <laughs> the last four you've been doing a two-year residency you heard correct okay yes. just making sure i'm crunching the numbers yeah, man. right here i'm Our, an accounting major but i'm just trying to keep up with you yep i uh was so good at the first two years that i decided to do another two years just to show everybody how good at church planning residencies i am there you go yeah so and so you're at what Pro point in the process of that two-year residency you're wrapping it up i think i'm done okay. um i got assessed by x29 in october of last year okay and our plan was to launch in september which is you know a couple weeks away but i don't know if you've heard there's this virus going around that has really hmm. shut everything down and so we have pushed our launch date to january 10th of 2021 and so that is where I'm at in my whole church planning process. We are moving forward. Okay, very cool. Yeah. You've got a core group meeting, doing some interest meetings, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. We're in a couple of community groups that gather throughout the week. There's close to 30 adults and like 9,000 kids. That's kind of where we're sitting right now. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, quick rabbit trail. Sure. I didn't tell you we were going to talk about this, but... 
Um, you originally had plans to plant not in Odessa. Correct. You had yeah. plans a couple of years ago you were going to go to the big mighty DFW area. Yes. And you were going to take Jake Graves with you. I was, yeah. And why didn't you all do that just in a brief nutshell? Man, I don't want to over-spiritualize anything, but it was um, clearly the Lord uh, keeping us here. The church Jake and I were working at um, closed in May for some very good reasons. I think we all agree that that was necessary and needed to happen. And Man, there's just a lack of gospel-centered churches here in this town, I think. Mm. And uh, just over the time living here, kind of fell in love with this place, or at least fell in really strong like with Odessa. And I can <laughs> you can love Odessa, it's okay. Man, some days I do, and some days I hate it. So, like, I think the good middle ground is just like really like living here. And uh, are you going steady? Uh, yeah, we're exclusive. Like, I don't have any plans to leave anymore. Okay, um, I've committed the next the me- next 30 years to making this work and so can i sell you a funeral plot are you that interested in staying <sighs> no i i don't know you know who knows okay who knows we'll see we'll right. see what happens going steady i'm not making any plans past you know the age of 65 and who knows what the <laughs> who knows what the next five years will hold church planning is so unpredictable for sure and you know you saying that makes me think of one of the unique parts of pastoring and doing ministry in Odessa is that everybody here has an exit plan. Oh, yeah. And it might be in a year or five years, or it might be when you're 65 or your grandkids leave or whatever. Mm. Um, But there's a drain on at least our church on older people, because when they retire, they want to go somewhere else. And that's just an interesting dynamic to doing church in Odessa is just the fact that people plan to leave all the time. So that affects not only established churches, but church plants as well. And uh, you know that. So take me through your mindset. You come to Odessa nine years ago to work in an established church as a staff member. Here you are nine-tenths of a decade later planting a church. How does a guy go from I want to walk in and serve at an established church to I want to plant a church. What was the internal process for you in getting from A to B? And I know that's not exactly sort of what's on our our queue list here, but how did that transition take place? Yeah, so I was actually, before we moved out here, working in a little church in Arlington. If you would have taken my age and my wife's age and added them together, we would have still been the youngest person in that church. Hmm. Um, we were in the middle of DFW across from one of the biggest high schools in the state, uh, next to university of Texas in Arlington, huge school. And there was 40, 80 year old people in our church. Hmm. We were not reaching anybody. We had no vision to reach anybody. The church is actually gone now. It folded in 2015. And so like, I just like the Lord began to stir up a conviction in my heart. Like we've got to start reaching the next generation Hmm. or this church thing in America is going to look completely different 30 years from now. Um, And so I moved here wanting to plant a church someday. Uh, We are actually looking at Portland, Oregon to go. Yeah. And so pretty much the same as Odessa. Yeah. A lot, you know, the views and the weather and all that stuff. Anyways, um, I got to the established church across town wanting to learn how to be a pastor, wanting, mm. wanting to preach, and wanting somebody to teach me how to to lead a staff. And 
and that whole thing. And, um, ended up at redemption, uh, a couple years after I got to that church and really was able to get some, form some convictions on Mm -hmm. what church planning is supposed to look like. And, um, really understand how to cast a vision for a ministry and get to see some of the nuts and bolts of, of church planning because redemption was actually a replant. And mm. so when I got there, we were still very much in the middle of forming an identity as a, as a church. Mm. So it wasn't ever something that you set out nine, 10, 12 years ago to do this. It's just sort of a, God has been working in your life along the way different circumstances, different situations, different church experiences to get you to the point where now you are ready to plant a church in Odessa, Texas, in the Bible Belt. Yeah, there I you think go. so, yeah. Why, if church planning is so near and dear to your heart, you mentioned Portland, Oregon. Why not go to Portland, Oregon? Why not go to New England? Why not go to Western Europe? Why not go to um, North Africa, where Islam dominates? Why not go to Southeast Asia? Why plant a church in the most churched region of the world? Yeah. Why in the Bible Belt? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think there's this assumption that the Bible Belt is completely reached. Um, what I've noticed is that... People tend to equate, you know, conservative political leanings or the GOP policy with, with a Christian worldview, mm-hmm. um, and all the while their their lives really look nothing like what Jesus or the Bible is calling them to. Mm-hmm. So, man, a lot of people live this like moralistic, therapeutic deism, but never get to a resurrected Savior or even Jesus's lordship for their life. And so a lot of people here, I would say, think they're saved. Mm. And while I'm not the God who knows all and sees all um, and understands all, but when your life seems void of any sort of gospel change, a lot of people think they're saved that probably aren't. Mm. So like in a lot of ways, the the Bible Belt is just as dark as like, say, Afghanistan or, or Portland. Um in my opinion, man, nominal Christianity or pseudo Christianity is much more difficult to evangelize than like um, Muslim Muslim context. Mm. That's interesting. I remember one of the times I graduated from Southern Seminary, I, Dr. Moeller was given the convocation address, and he essentially said something. This is my poor man's West Texas paraphrase. Some of you we are sending out to be missionaries in hostile places, and you're going to have to take the gospel to people who have never heard about Jesus. And some of you we are sending out to the Bible Belt, and you're going to places that are very hostile to genuine Christianity, and you are going to have to convince people who think that they know Jesus, that they don't actually know Jesus. Mm. And I think there's certainly a lot of that in West Texas, in the Bible Belt. I I don't have strong ties to the Deep South, but I imagine you would find the exact same thing, a cultural veneer of 
conservatism or Christianity or church life on the outside, and underneath it is the, you know, as you termed, quoting Christian Smith, the moral therapeutic deism, the, I just want to be a nice person. God wants me to be happy. He has no real authority over my life. Yeah. And it is challenging to convince those people. Is there a need for church planning in those other places? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so how would somebody decide, should I go to Portland or New England or London, where there are very few evangelical churches, or should I stay in the Bible Belt? How how does a church planner even make that decision? And for me, I just kind of walked in the sovereignty of the Lord. Like, I can go to Portland, and it would be hard and difficult for a number of reasons, like trying to find the Christians that live there to develop some biblical community. Um, and some people are wired that way. Like I really want to have deep, meaningful relationships where I'm connected. And man, by the Lord's grace over the last nine tenths of a decade, like just been able to develop some really deep relationships here. And I felt like at one point it'd just be really foolish of me to just step away from, hmm. from that. Um, and so like some people, really passionate about um, Muslims or um, going to big cities and, mm. and doing urban ministry. Right. And I think God uniquely wires people for, for different things. And so I think for a lot of people, it's just about examining your passions and what has God gifted you to do. Yeah. You said something earlier I thought was a little bit interesting sort of in light of this conversation. You said, I don't want to over-spiritualize something. And I think sometimes when it comes to church and ministry and missions and all the rest of it, sometimes we are guilty of over-spiritualizing it. And sometimes it's just as obvious as the one door that God might open for you or the door that God might close in mm -hmm. front of you. And I know when you guys were still sort of thinking about uh, church planning in the Dallas area, you were in the middle of some foster care stuff and you weren't really able to leave the area immediately. And that's not really a spiritual, like, writing in the sky, message from heaven, dreams and visions, but it's God's way of putting things in your life and circumstances to say, hey, I've got you where I want you right now, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. and he wants, he wants you to be here for now. So there you go. How does a guy know if he is called to plant a church? I met a ton of guys at seminary, I'll just be real honest, who thought they had arrived to the spiritual level where they could diagnose all the problems with every established church, and they were going to plant a church that would have none of those problems and be the perfect church. And I just met so many guys who would say, I'm called to plant a church, and most of them ended up either not doing it or trying it, and it failed miserably. Mm -hmm. How does a guy know if he's called to plant a church as opposed to serving in an established church? How would a yeah. person sort that out? So I think there's a different skill set that it takes to plant a church versus serve in an established church. Um, when you sent me these questions, I wrote down four C's for to answer this question. You're such a good Baptist. I know, man. I've been trained. Um, <laughs> one of them is like the conviction. Do I have a conviction to go and do this work? 
Um, am I convicted by the lostness in this community or the lostness in this people group that I really want to serve? And then am I called? Like, do I have a gospel calling to go to these places? How, how does a person know if they have a gospel calling? Like, are you, do you love Jesus? Like, are you, are you even a Christian, uh, first of all? Do you have the qualifications that we see in First Timothy and Titus to be an elder in your church? And then... Have you been affirmed by your church? Mm. Like, I think there's a lot of rebellion associated with young, hip church planner dudes that just like, I don't want to submit to any authority. I want to go and do my own thing. I know better than you. And that is completely anti-scriptural when you see like Paul discipling Timothy and a lot of other things that go on in the in the pastoral letters in the New Testament. And yeah. so like, I would tell... Um, any guy that's saying like, I want to plant a church, like find somebody to run with that's going to disciple you and be teachable and be humble. And so, that... if, so if a guy says I'm called to plant a church and as you talk to them in conversation, they sort of reveal or express to you all the established pastors are idiots and I've got it figured out and I'm here to show everyone how it's supposed to be done. You're saying that guy is not called. I'm saying that that guy has some things he needs to sort out. I Again, I'm not the Lord, and God's grace can cover a multitude of sins. But man, like, if you open your mouth and you just spew arrogance, like, that's going to be really hard for you to have the winsomeness required to gather people together. And generally, the speed of the leader goes the speed of the team. And so a lot of times in, like, reform circles, for example, you see these young, angry Calvinists, and those guys end up planting young, angry, reformed churches. And that's not helpful to anybody. Yeah, you're, you're starting with a cancer. Yeah. And it's going to spread. So the other okay, two so C's wait, would wait, be wait. like character. Wait, wait. Back up on the C's. <laughs> okay. C number one. Conviction. C number two. That's calling. Including church. Yeah. C number three. Character. Okay. Um, when you look at the pastoral epistles, Paul deals more with the character of the pastor than he does any competencies. Like, do you have the character? Are you sober-minded? Are you are you quick-tempered? Are you ugly to your wife? Um, are you thought well of by outsiders? Like, um, you know, I probably should have put the the negatives on some of those. Like, not ugly to your wife, but like, yeah, yeah. you know, there's some character flaws that we see in a lot of pastors, and yeah. that's unfortunate. Okay, scene number four would be competency. Hmm. How do you figure that out? Just can you do some of this stuff? Like, can you handle scripture? Mm. Um, can you preach? Can you lead people? And a lot of times that's where it goes back to the calling, being affirmed by your church. Like, And that's where the established church needs to bear some of this burden and putting men in positions to lead. Giving them the opportunities. Yes. Opportunities, enough opportunity to fail. Or, and to succeed. Yeah. And then be willing to release them. And so what those are you, my four C's. What would you say to a guy who says to you with the deepest of conviction that he is called and he thinks his character is close or on par mm -hmm. or above par or below par, or however you want to say it, and he thinks he has the competency required, but his church disagrees? What would you say to that guy? I have no idea. Um, 
I would want to know why they think that. And so that might be a conversation that I would then need to have with that guy's pastor or or at least help that guy come to some level of self-awareness where he might be wrong about himself. Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, that is. I've come across a few of those situations where guys just said, and not necessarily or specifically church planning, but just more in general ministry. I'm called to ministry. I want to be in ministry. He thought he checked all the boxes. Everyone else on the outside recognized and saw there's some major issues here. Well, if it's and pretty, I know that I know that's sorry. hard for a guy to hear, but I think it's the church's job to say it. Yeah, if it's pretty widely accepted amongst like pastoral leadership in that guy's church, it's probably true. Um, the opposite is like if the pastor just has some like inferiority or superiority sure. complex and he's you know, worried about what's going to happen if I let go of the reins here a little bit, that's an issue as well. Yeah. And so it would be kind of situationally based. Okay, back to the Bible Belt. Okay. What is the biggest challenge, do you think, planting a church in the Bible Belt? What makes it hard? Man, aside, Maybe harder than other places. Yeah, yeah. Aside from just trying to plant a church in a pandemic, um, <laughs> I think— Yeah, that's a whole other yeah. episode. Yeah. I'm, Church in the pandemic. I need a nap after this season. No doubt. Um, man, I think just general nominalism, like mm. we've already talked about in question one, it's just really difficult because you are expecting people to squeeze church into the other stuff that they're doing. So like nominalism oftentimes it's played out with like a lot of just general busyness. Like my kids got 17 football games this week and we're traveling for my daughter's soccer team. And just like, we are not a culture that really values commitment to a church. We'll commit to anything else, but then the church kind of gets the, uh, you know, the leftover leftovers. Yeah. We'll be there if we're not doing something else. I give my, back in my youth ministry days, I'd have kids show up to my youth group one Sunday every two months or one Wednesday night every six weeks. And their parents were like, other parents were like mad, like your youth group's not very big. And I'm like, culturally, we just don't value this anymore. Like, it's not like it was when you were growing up. Sure. You're not telling your kids to get up here. So that's sure. hard. The Just the nominalism. And also maybe like a myriad of options um, here for mm. churches. Like um, that has led to a whole nother thing where people have experience with church and that leads to a lot of church hurts. And so honestly, people are just kind of avoiding getting hurt again, putting themselves out there. Mm. Um, and for me, man, just starting something new, I'm calling people to something different mm. than the traditional church out here seems to be doing. Like I'm not building a $5 million kids building or a $5 million youth building. And I'm not doing these programs and this sinker seeker sensitive stuff. And in West Texas, we have a very consumer driven culture and people pick churches based on what they can get out of it. Or they have this awesome kids ministry or my kid really likes their youth. And I think all that is okay. But some of that stuff is really counter to to scripture like Jesus calls us to be servants and a lot of times people are picking these churches based on how can I be served how is this serving my family yeah no doubt we're a consumeristic culture and especially in the Bible Belt that has dramatically bled into the way that we think about church we are consumers when it comes to church by nature and 
on some level, it's just part of the cultural air that we breathe, and it's it's so ingrained in who we are that it's hard to it's hard to recognize that. It's hard for people to recognize that. It's hard for people to pull back from that. Uh, it is very countercultural, even in the Bible Belt, to call people to reject a consumer mindset when it comes to church. Um, so does that mean your church plant will have no programs, no fun, no activities? Mm-hmm. You're not offering anything except come wash Tanner's feet? No, we're actually meeting in the fun dome, and so <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, my uh, goodness. That's awesome. I think what I'm just trying to communicate is, like, your spiritual growth is more important. Like, how you view Jesus is more important to me than building a holding tank for your kids and throwing pizza at them. Like, sure. I, I want you to grow spiritually. Like, if you get if your kid graduates from his youth ministry and he has never had an encounter with the risen savior. That is an issue. Yeah. And unfortunately that's happening a lot here. How, how has your experience been in West Texas, in the Bible belt, as you share what you're doing with other pastors or ministry folks, do they, do their eyes roll back in their head? Do they, genuinely want you to succeed? Do they um, feel threatened by you guys as a church plant? I, you don't have to name names on the bad stuff, please, <laughs> but how? what's the response you get in Odessa when you say, I'm planning a church from other ministry people? Yeah, it's been kind of a, a broad brush. I don't know if that's not the right word. There's been a mixed bag of, of responses. So a few guys like you and um, we'll say Dell over at Mission Dorado, like super supportive. We're going to help any way we can. Um, I've met here pre-pandemic for my interest meetings, met in your fellowship hall. And so a lot of guys are being really supportive. Um, there's a kind of a middle of the road response like, Hey, cool. Good luck. God bless you. Thanks for doing it. Cause I don't really, <laughs> I'm really worn out. And so I'm getting mm-hmm. some of that. And then there's a, another group of folks that, um, seem either, I don't think intimidated is the right word, but just kind of nervous about joining up or partnering with me because, Why? um, a lot of their, the few young families that they have, like might sneak out the back door or something to that effect. I don't really know. Like I'm not going after churched people, but um, this leads into another question yeah, yeah, about so transfer let's, growth. Yeah, let's bring it up. Like <laughs> yeah. you're not going after church people. Churched I think people. Churched yeah. people. I think every, not every, the vast majority of church planners would say that out loud. I think it's also anecdotally true from my experience that most church plants start with a group of people who came from other churches, Mm -hmm. different reasons, different motivations. As a church planner, how do you even think through transfer growth? Do you take it if it happens? Do you say you're not seeking it out, but you kind of seek it out? How do you handle it? Yeah, so um, it's kind of a two or three pronged response for me. I was having lunch with a pastor and his music guy back in uh, in December, and he said, hey, what do you need the most? And I said, I need three things. I need a building, I need your money, and I, <laughs> and I need your people. 
So who are you going to give me? I need people more than I need the money. I need your people. And he kind of was like, uh, I don't have anybody to give you. And I'm like, you're a couple hundred member church. You could spare a few people, <laughs> send them my way. And so as far as like transfer growth goes, like if it's for kingdom purposes, like your church is sending you out to go plant this other gospel work in town. I am all for that. The two types of transfer growth I don't want are the people that leave mad mm. at their pastor and are just so reluctant to handle biblical conflict resolution. I do not want you at my church if that is you, mm. because pretty soon I know myself well enough to know that I'm going to make you mad. Sure. I'm going to say something stupid. Yeah, it's inevitable. You're going to get mad at me, leave, go somewhere else, and eventually you're going to run out of options and end up back where you started. So I don't want that. I get mad at you every time I'm around you. Is that true? Yeah. Why so? I let's don't talk know. about just, it. You you're, you just make me mad. Let's let's work this out. So I agree with that. Um, transfer. You feel like there's a hesitancy on the part of some to release their people to go? Yes, and part of that ties back into the consumer-driven mindset of bigger is better. And, you know, we're doing something completely countercultural when we're giving our best people away to multiply churches in the same town that aren't the churches that we're responsible for. How big does Redeemer Odessa have to get before you start actively pushing some of your people out to other works? So it would depend on if I have a guy to plant another congregation. And so one thing I'm really trying to do is multiply groups within the communities and multiply congregations uh, around town, around the state, around the country, around the world. If somebody's called to go somewhere, I want to give away my best people and as much money as possible to see the gospel go to the nations, and that includes South Odessa or West Odessa. Just a lot of that, to answer your question, depends on do I have an elder-qualified church planter in my church that can take these people and go? What if there's another guy doing a work in town, and he comes and has buys your lunch, and he says, hey, I need some of your people? At what point are you comfortable as a church planter then releasing your folks to go to a new work. Yeah, I have no idea. It depends on what he's doing. Like, I want to, is he an Acts 29 guy? Is he a Southern Baptist guy? Is he um, just like some non-denom prophecy, I mean, a uh, prosperity gospel type guy? Right, like, right. a lot just depends on what he's doing. Sure. But I'm all for very strategic partnerships with like-minded people. Yeah. It's a tricky question in my mind, and it's certainly one that, I agree with you. There's a, a calling that God would probably place not just on a church planter, but on other sort of folks that would go be part of a core team and start something. I think from a pastoral perspective, there's probably a tendency, whatever size you are, to think, if only we were a little bigger, then we could send some folks. And the guys who are a little bigger think, if only we were a little bigger, we could send some folks. And the guys who are really big think, if only we were mega, then we could send some folks. And there's there's probably a, a mindset that creeps in for all of us to think, uh, it's going to hurt my budget. It's going to reduce the number of people serving here. It's going to reduce you know, leaders that we've invested in on site and their ministries here at our church. That's a scary thing yeah. to turn people loose. Um, but it is just part of Odessa. 
because if if they don't go to another church plant or another church, at some point they're going to go out of the area. Right. And so you've got to be thinking leadership development all the time, continuously replace people, et cetera. Yes. When you plant a church in the Bible Belt, last question. Yeah. Is that an indictment on all the other many, 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 many churches in Odessa, Texas? Are you essentially saying y'all are garbage and we need one more church and this is going to be the church that gets it right? I don't like that question. Um, The way you phrased it, is it an indictment? It can be. Do I think they're garbage? Mostly no. Um, (laughs) So is it an indictment? Yes, it can be. And what I think has happened um, is that in a lot of these churches that are currently, because of COVID or whatnot, just barely hanging on by a thread, what I think has happened is like one generation of believers in that church has just assumed the gospel. So the next generation has completely lost the gospel. And so there was no discipleship taking place. Um, There was no evangelism taking place. We're still doing all this stuff that worked in 1992 uh, to try to engage a 2020 Christian or a 2020 unbeliever. And we can't figure out why all of this is working. And then we have like 20% of the women in our church doing 80% of the work and a lot of just really passive dudes. And so, yes, it can be an indictment. I would agree with that, by the way. I would say yes. It is the fact that we need a new church in a town filled with churches is on some level of indictment and indictment of church in general. Yes. Absolutely. Not anybody specifically for the sake of this podcast, probably, yes. But I just think like 94% when I was doing my stuff for Acts 29, the assessment they wanted to know about the town I was planning in. And the research that I got into showed that 94% of this church was, or this town was unchurched. Mm. And there is like 9 million churches here. Yeah. At every church, every corner you go to in town, there's at least one church. And I drive by seven on my way to Midland to Redeemer Midland on Sunday mornings yeah. for church. And it's a mile and a half until I hit the city limits. And I pass seven churches. Yeah. Even without criticizing the methodology or the theology or any of the ologies of any of the existing churches, you can just look at it from a data perspective and say, look, there is an awful lot of people in this town right in the Bible Belt who are not attending a church. Yeah. They're not connected. They're not plugged in. They're not saved or they're not being discipled or they're not being uh, ministered to. And if that's not happening with the status quo, let's do something about it to change that and to try to reach them. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily have to be an indictment on everyone else's lousy. It's just a reality check to say, there's a lot of people our current churches are not reaching. Maybe there's a way to reach some of those folks. And even some of the churches that I really admire and respect, like you guys, for example, I'm probably going to reach a different group of people, you know, with the whole cigar shop tattoo thing that you uh, jabbed me for earlier. Like, I'm going to reach a different group of people than you guys might. Have you seen Jake's full back tattoo? I hope his mom's not listening to this. (laughs) She's going to be real upset. Fantastic. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. I am glad 
that you are in Odessa. I'm super glad that you really strongly like Odessa. And maybe there will be more days coming where you can actually say you love it, but I understand where you're coming from there. I'm excited that God's called you to plant a church here. Um, I'm excited at how uh, Redeemer Midland has supported you in this work and is willing to send some folks over and encourage folks to be involved. Uh, I've seen God in the midst of the COVID pandemic craziness open some doors for you guys as far as a place to meet Mm. and all that stuff. Uh, And so all that to say, I'm glad you're in town. I'm glad you're planting Redeemer Odessa, and I'm excited to see how God uses you and this church to reach more folks here in the Permian Basin. I think it's a good thing. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for listening to the Regular Pastor Podcast. Big thanks to uh, Torchy's Tacos, I guess, our faux sponsor for the day. Uh, they filled our bellies and uh, made it. we made it through this podcast. Check us out online, regularpastor.com. If you know a regular pastor who ought to come on the show, we would love to talk to them. If you have complaints or criticism about what we said today, call Jake. Tanner call and I, Jake. Tanner and I don't want to hear it. Until next time, this is The Regular Pastor with the Green Chili Special out. <laughs>